Hey everyone, I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband Shane. Baby Lou is in bed, the cat is in her room, and we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour on this Family Tree Podcast, episode 32. 33. 33. The age we were when, the, the age you were when we met. No. No? How old were you? 32. Oh, then it was the first birthday we celebrated. Well, cheers. Another week of quarantine in the books. True that. Shane, this week was both a great week and the worst week. We've had the worst day that we've had in quarantine. As discussed on the podcast mini episode 10. In fact, we didn't do a lot of minis last week. It was... It was a little overwhelming for us because there were some changes happening within mm-hmm. the, the household. Changes in the dynamic. So um, I got my job back, which is a very exciting change, a very welcome change, but incredibly stressful because now we are adding, you know, a full six hour day to what we were doing before, which was already crazy busy. And we had Roseanne, Lucy's Nona, stay with us for two days. Yeah, so that that was in part the reason too in a, in addition to the things you just said because it might be a little awkward if we were recording a podcast with Nona's bedroom being right beside where we yes. record and you and with, know she might want to watch TV and that's where we record but in the future i guess if they stay for longer we could do a setup in our bedroom 100% and it could be okay. 100% but it's just all things were happening and anytime you have to adjust to a new schedule which we mm-hmm. were i think you got to take your foot off the gas on something and unfortunately the podcast minis had to take the hit there you can't do everything and i couldn't even get episode 32 out in time because as if you're listening to this now odds are you've listened to episode 32 and i i made a i made a big mistake which is i recorded the podcast without my microphone turned on so all the audio you hear from my voice in episode 32 is actually coming from your microphone but the audio is working today i'm hoping (laughs) Tap, tap. Yeah, it, it should be. I don't think I'll ever make that mistake again. I'm usually pretty on the ball on that. The vibe last Saturday was was not the best for me also, but tonight feels good. I, I did have a question for you. So when we recorded mini episode 10, which was really stressful, guys, I'm sorry for all this crying. I cried my entire way through that one again, which is like the third mini I've cried through, just full of emotions. And Shane, at one point during that mini, you said that uh, you're wondering if the honeymoon phase of the being at home was over and that if it was going to be tough from here on out. However, after that date, the rest of our week has been pretty great. So well, I was curious. I was curious. wondering if for you, if that what was, what was right. happening. Because for me, I'm, I'm fine. Like I'm, I'm fine with this. I'm better than fine with this. So sometimes I'm worried that I'm not worried. Mm-hmm. And that that's what was on my mind when we were we actually have a caller which we recorded yesterday yes. that you, people will hear in this episode where we talked to a psychotherapist where she kind of walks me through if I'm correct in feeling that because I have so much anxiety in my day to day life it's why I'm maybe not feeling as much anxiety during this yes. and in fact in moments of extreme stressful moments I have an odd calm to me and. Uh, I think it's fine or or I have an odd thing where I think it's kind of fun you know and that's that scares me sometimes because I know it's not what everyone else is feeling and I'd like to be on the same page as everyone else so I could relate to them yeah could be my Asperger's though you never know (laughs) 
no, and you know what? Like, I think so. I don't have a lot of anxiety in day to day life, like clinical anxiety. I think everybody gets nervous and anxious about certain things, but in situations like this, you know, I find that I'm having a good time. I could be on a raft in the middle of the sea eating some other sailor's leg because we had to sacrifice him in order for to get food and as long as everybody else is having a good time i'll be having a good time too strong analogy but not exactly (laughs) not exactly what you do because i find i feed off your mood and sometimes you can just get fired up over something yeah, but if, if I see that, like, there's an inkling that somebody might be having a good time, then I want to promote that, and I, I like that energy, and I'm like, all right, this is good, and then... What if you hear that I'm favoring someone or rooting for someone in The Bachelor? Is well, that enough to throw your whole <laughs> earth out of orbit? Is it The Bachelor or The Bachelorette? I don't know. They're all the same to me. Well, I guess on certain days in nearing the third trimester of pregnancy, that would be enough for me. But I, I guess The Bachelor is more comfortable show to be watching with you because then I'm just rating guys <laughs> and you don't seem to mind if I'm rating guys and whom I think is the hottest or has the best body if it's a guy because you must think I'm pretty straight true I, as far as I think I always have been a good actor <laughs> uh, so you do think that the rest of quarantine you're still excited and happy to be at home is what I, I kind of want to get to I am, yeah. Good. But something that did rile me up, since you mentioned it, is I saw a Facebook post and have been reading things in the newspaper talking about how teachers are just almost implying they're lazy. Could you could you set it up? Or yeah. like they're, they're not worthy of proper pay right now, I guess is the implication. So I know I have a lot of teachers that listen to this podcast too, although you're international so where i live in canada in ontario we have been going through a strike anyway for the past couple months uh and we haven't been able to find you know make a deal with our government about what we want and what they want us to do and it's been really difficult so through all of this we've lost a lot of public support because the public doesn't generally understand what goes on inside a classroom they don't know why we don't want e-learning brought into our daily lives and we don't want it mandatory we want caps on our classroom and things like that so now that we are in this position of moving from a strike to remote teaching during this pandemic so this is emergency remote teaching it's not e-learning and a lot of the public is forgetting about that we are scrambling and working our like complete asses off to get things ready, to get things up to snuff for the students, for ourselves. We are converting curriculum that we had into now online format and learning these entire online platforms that like I had never used before. And it's a huge process. And there's been a lot of backlash in the past couple of weeks against teachers, even though the government has mandated this, saying that, oh, what are they doing all day? And we should cut their paychecks in half. They don't deserve the money. All this stuff. And it's it's been really hard, mm-hmm. really hard to hear. Well, here, here's the problem with that. Maybe some teachers are taking advantage of this. Right. And some teachers are being lazier. But teachers are some teachers are going to be lazier 
in their normal job. Some people in any job are going to be lazier or taking advantage or not as good. It's like there's always that 20% ratio of the lazier people in any workforce. I certainly have those people in my job. Yeah. And then there's also the 20% who are the overachievers in the job. And then everybody else, which is that 60%, kind of is in the middle. Mm-hmm. And that's every workforce. But these people, these keyboard warrior people, uh, or these people in the, the newspaper writing, seem to just be talking about the laziest 20% and putting a blanket over and acting like that is everybody. It's like, what are you doing all day? I know a teacher who's just eating Cheetos and watching Game of Thrones. It's like, yeah, that's the worst person in the world. And you're <laughs> saying that because I know a person, my wife, Alex, you, you're thinking about it 24-7. You're, it's like midnight. You're like, what could I do? I'm like, shut your brain off. You're like, I'm going down to get my laptop. <laughs> I'm just going to be with my laptop and look at it because it's going to make me feel better. I'm like, Alex, stop. So you're thinking about it more than the six hours a day like if anything this has got you working double time because you want to make it even better i'm in the same position with my job just gonna say i'm working from home and i'm working twice as hard as i was at work Mm -hmm. going to work was actually easier i actually knew how to do this this is unprecedented territory emergency remote exactly so anyway this person online and obviously i don't want to say who it is or anything like that and I guess everyone's welcome to their opinion, but I just think they're so effing wrong here. And the person was saying, well, I have children. I know it's tough, but I made it work. It's like, no, you didn't because you didn't go through a pandemic because this is unprecedented times. And yeah, it is tough to have kids and work, but there's certain things in place in society like babysitters, daycare centers, school, with those things taken away, good effing luck getting it done it's, I know. it's impossible so if you i was trying to think of it like you're good with the analogies I'm not, I'm not <laughs> yeah like you, but like if you look at it like the nba because this person also had anecdotal stories of oh well my friend is having their uh, teacher do uh what, what is it live they so uh they were doing live classrooms through zoom and she yeah. was talking it's, about it's that doing live class classrooms through zoom well, that's someone with a special ability and time probably doesn't have children. And if they do, someone's looking after their child. Maybe their spouse got laid off or is working yeah. from home and is on an altered schedule. Like you do. It's, so it's like if you're watching an NBA game mm-hmm. and you're saying, well, I have Kevin Durant on my team and he's seven foot tall and he can dunk without even jumping. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, he has a special ability. So we can't expect every player to be seven foot tall, be able to hit three pointers and can dunk without jumping. Some players have to work their ass off, like let's say Muggsy Bogues on the opposite end, five foot three, and he's working twice as hard as the guy who has every advantage in the world. So anyway, it got me really fired up and I I think that person was totally out of line and rude to do that. I think so too. So... Although, uh, just to give a little more context, we've been reading things like this in the newspaper, in, you know, just online, things like that, and that's been hard to hear. This specific post was from a family member of mine. You think your dad would be a little more understanding? (laughs) No, but the the post that this person wrote uh, was much more accusatory than it was inquisitive, as you messaged her back at one point, and it is just hard when the people closest to you don't even look to you for answers to say, hey, like privately, what are you guys doing? Because I'm concerned about my kids learning and they don't look 
you know, directly to me, kindly for answers, which I'd be more than happy to give to them. They start this inflammatory conversation online, which then stokes the hate against teachers in other people. And that's what I find so difficult to deal with. And the excuse when the person was called out on it was, oh, I'm trying to be provocative because being provocative is what gets a better conversation going. And I guess getting the conversation going is what gets to answers. But this isn't the time to be provocative. COVID-19 no. <laughs> COVID is provocative enough right now. We don't really need to be provoked any further. People are on edge. That's what I mean. Uh, but moving on, that's just a rant because sometimes you got to do those things. No, and, and I do want to touch on that as well. So if you do have, you know, children who are students and in school, Teachers are working so hard. 100% of the people are in the midst of a pandemic and just trying to get food on the table. That's the thing. So it's like they're, this is so crazy and different. It, it kind of transcends working from home. Like you were reading that the, there's a meme going around that says... Yes, it, it says this is not e-learning. This is... No, it says this is not working from home. This is trying to work during a crisis. Oh, yes. Sorry. You remember the meme better than I did. Uh, but... It is important to know, and the other thing with Zoom, we were told specifically not even to use Zoom because number one, it is easily hacked and we're dealing with vulnerable students who are under 18. And the other thing is that now there's this huge thing going on because teachers, I guess, have been using Zoom in different parts in Canada, even though they're not supposed to. And students have been recording their lessons and getting them to say certain things like during their lessons and then mashing together their responses to something inappropriate things like that and i don't like that's just crazy regardless just not everyone has that technology available so you have to the lessons have to be equitable if all of my grade 12s are going to be in the same boat doing this learning from home they have to be on par with all the other grade 12s across province for it to be equitable Mm -hmm. but yeah no it's so frustrating some people, myself included, actually learn better this way. Everything I've learned has been through books and being able and recordings and being able to go over things again and again because I can't retain shit because I'm my brain's fucked up. Uh, but yeah, uh, I was also I have written down in my book: Should Coors Edge be our unofficial sponsor of the show? Because I am addicted to non-alcoholic beer, Coors Edge. 100 percent sorry (laughs) alex said that after a huge burp by the way i didn't really didn't mean to my only issue with it is that it's uh real carbonated which makes it that much more refreshing but being pregnant you know you have a buildup of burpy gas anyway but it is so delicious it is the most refreshing part of my day honestly and i think we talked about this before they should truly sponsor us yeah, I, I think they should. I looked up their Instagram. How do we account. reach out? They have two hundred twenty six followers. I'm I'm hoping they can you know repost this message. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, onto a more fun topic. We are trying to like I promised you when you started your Instagram account that oh, right. you would get to ten thousand dollars. <laughs> that you would get to ten thousand followers before we had our second child. Right. Second child is coming up. You're at 8,000 and some Something. odd followers. But the algorithm right now is terrible. Uh, likes are hard to come by because they've taken away showing likes, which encourages people to like less. 
And there's and, so much content. And and when we started also, we said, we're not going to do the lame sandwich boards. Like, is that what they're called? Yeah. The, yeah, they are the sandwich boards, right? The pregnant women holding a sandwich we, board. We wanted to make it authentic to ourselves. If that's being goofy and cheesy, it's being goofy and cheesy. If it's crying on a podcast, it's crying on a podcast. But our goal was always to just be ourselves, do write-ups that always gave valuable information, and just always had something of value. Well, we didn't want it to be just a glamour thing either. Exactly. Where it's just like a little caption and an, a beautiful photo. We wanted the caption to be long mm-hmm. and the photo to be uh, have a correlation to it. And again, that's in part because being an educator, I like doing that. I like to teach. I like to yeah, learn. We're trying to play to your strengths. Yeah. So to be doing something like that feels so much more natural. That being said, forget that. We are <laughs> bringing out the sandwich boards. We have three more months when your belly's your belly's only getting bigger, obviously. From obviously. So in the next month, it's going to be that perfect belly size. And we're going to pull out all the stops. We're going to write on your belly like... Three, two, one, kaboom, or like it's a bomb, or whatever the stupid about stuff is. About to pop. Because I will do anything <laughs> to get you that 10,000 followers, including being stupid and annoying and so, cheesy. We've been joking about this all week because, you know, on one hand, who the hell cares? On the other hand, it is the most fun challenge in the entire world to get 2,000 more followers oh, yeah. in three months. <laughs> because you're only going to be, you're never going to be pregnant again. Yep. You're only going to have a big belly for two months in your entire life for the rest of your life, hopefully. Okay. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but no, I mean like a big hard yeah, yeah, belly. Yeah, you yeah. get as big as you want. But uh, we need the listeners out there help because this is kind of like a little insider club if you're listening to the podcast. So send us quotes, stupid quotes that you think would work. Things to write or paint or do with a okay. belly. No hate to anybody, no judgment to anybody who has done these themselves. I want things like, I mean, every single one of you, if you follow pregnancy accounts in general, you've seen the woman with the big belly standing beside the sandwich board saying, you're kicking me, Smalls, and things like that. Like, I've seen that 300 million times. So we just need the the, the cheesiest, the best ideas maybe ones that you've only seen once or twice and we'll just do that and let's see if we can get to ten thousand dollars and then the second betty's born back to a normal account i just want to be able to do those damn swipe ups for the podcast same with me that's the thing once i can get to swipe up territory i am happy but like truly if you are listening to this get in on this with us Shane and I are so excited about this and so excited about getting you guys involved too because you probably see so many crazy, annoying, whatever things. It's not necessarily things. annoying. No, 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 no. Yeah. But there, everybody has something that they're like, oh, not this again. You know what I mean? Sure. And send me everything that you see. Any cliche, belly bump photo, whatever. Like there's this one thing. It's a baby mama dance. So it's this song. I don't know what this. It. I don't know who sings it, but it's like baby mama, da, 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 da. and then the mom starts dancing and like twerking, and then the dad always has to come in and like mouth the other words that the mom's not mouthing. Right. And it's like this real goofy thing, but we're doing it. Okay. 
Yeah, I'll make a total fool of myself because I don't care. Yeah. So and I, I, I just want the the ten grand. It's a goal, and I like getting to goals at all costs. So listeners, get in on this challenge. Start helping us out. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be pretty funny. I think. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, what else do we got here? Oh, I, I wrote. Do you have anything else? Yeah, I have a, I have a couple questions for you. You don't want to say them to the end. You want to ask them now? Okay. We ask them now, and then we just uh, end it kind of after our last call. On that note, because it might be hard to get into a uh, fun mood after. No, I don't care. I can get into a fun mood. Okay. Ask me a question right now, just because I'm curious. Are you scared at all for baby number two? Because of a couple things. Number one, the COVID scenario in the hospital, and then number two. I guess for three things. Number two, just have another tiny, puny, little fragile thing again. And then number three, because there's going to be more responsibility on your end this time as well uh, in regards to caring for Lucy or vice versa. You know what I mean? One of us is always going to have a kid on us. So are you feeling pretty cool about everything or are you slightly more nervous than you were last time? Less nervous because it's less new. Mm-hmm. I'm more, I know I'm going to be more annoyed though because I know two are harder than one. You know? Of course. But what are you going to be annoyed with? You being annoyed. With me being annoyed? Yeah. So I'm going to be annoyed, which is going to make you annoyed. What am I going to be annoyed at? You see, I'm, I'm more like a lightning bolt. <laughs> no, uh, no, it's just... I'm scared of your mood affecting my mood. Well, here's your the moods thing. hang around longer than mine. Here's the thing. I will be going through everything that you deal with postpartum. Hopefully, I don't uh, get any postpartum anxiety or anything this time. However, moods do fluctuate as your body gets back to normal, as your hormones get back to normal postpartum. Oh, I'm not saying you don't have the perfect excuse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just telling you what I'm scared of. <laughs> Well, it's right. like, yes, I'm a murderer, but I'm also schizophrenic, so I can't help it. It's like, okay, I'm just saying I'm scared of murderers. Are you getting nervous at all about the responsibility aspect? No. Okay, so I was looking at pictures today in my phone from when Lucy, like in her first week of life, and there were photos of you and I when we first got home with her. And in every photo, somebody was sleeping, either me, you, or Lucy. You don't know that. A lot of people do the fake sleep. No, these were real sleep photos. You don't know that. One of us, Shane. Like, trust me. And the other thing, the, the, the thing that was the most jarring was how tiny she was. And it's like, Lucy now is a walking daredevil madman. Like, she runs into things. She will do these crazy moves and she's just sturdier, you know? Yeah. She's like Michael Jackson mixed with Evil Knievel. Michael Jackson? She's got crazy moves. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, but yeah, that's, I, I, I see those two. That's good. But she did do a perfect triple. Oh, like, my God. She, you missed it, though. She rolled off the bed, rolled, 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 and, like, jumped on a box at the, at the, on the ground. And it was, like, in, in movies, stunt stunt doubles often will jump into a pile of boxes as their crash mat and it was exactly like that and it was amazing no so yes the, just the idea of seeing that how small she once was and how fragile she once was is making me very scared 
about just handling something that small again. Because Lucy... I handle something small, way smaller than that every day. I'm kidding. <laughs> you know what I'm packed at. <laughs> yeah, not much. Hey. Hey. This is a this is an authentic pod, Shane. Hey. <laughs> we tell the truth. Mm-hmm. I'm kidding. Oh. All right. So do you have any uh, questions for me? I'm saving mine till the end. I don't care how heavy it gets. All right, Shane. So the next guest that we're going to have is Jessie Mears. She is a psychotherapist for her job, and she is the wisest person in my mom group, and I am so lucky to have a mom group with her in it for this reason. Okay, so should we give her a call? Let's do it. Hello? Hey, Jesse. Hi. Hey, this is Alex and Shane. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. We're really looking forward to it. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for inviting me. It's very exciting. Well, I am so excited because I feel like I'm selfish and I have been selfish and all the other moms in our mom group are selfish and lucky because we have your voice in it and you come from such a place of knowledge and sincerity and you always have amazing information. I mean, you got me on to Jana Lansbury in the beginning who I've been kind of idolizing since and anytime... Is that the woman from Murder, She Wrote? No. (laughs) (laughs) That's a solid no. Oh, okay. Uh, and ever since then, though, you you are such a voice of clarity, I think, when we're all going through stress, whether it has to do with kids or just the mental load we all face. So, again, thank you for having uh, for coming here. But you are a psychoanalyst? I'm a psychotherapist. A psycho- yeah. psychotherapist. That's what I mean. An analyst would be like a Freudian who's like lying on the couch and tell me your dreams. It's not really my approach, so but some what people are into it. What's the difference between a therapist and a psychotherapist? Um, there just difference. Anybody can really be a therapist. Like if you have a master's in social work or if you are a psychiatrist or psychologist, uh, psychotherapist really means that you're just really doing therapy. So I'm not diagnosing people. I'm not prescribing medication. Um, I just do sort of like the practical pieces of the work, if that makes sense. Okay. And at a time like this Mm -hmm. is... Do you think a lot of people are actively recognizing that they're distressed or is it kind of like underlying where they may not even notice it? I think it's both. I think, you know, crisis puts us all into a place where we often start kind of responding from a much more primal place Mm -hmm. and often on autopilot. You know, this time is such an interesting time because it's really a collective traumatic experience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the nature of a traumatic experience is not so much the what happens, it's how the nervous system responds. So a trauma is something that we don't predict, that's more intense than we imagine. It's Mm -hmm. too much, too soon, too fast, and we don't know when it's going to stop. And that could be true of an assault, that could be true of a car accident, that could be true of a loss, but it's certainly true of a pandemic, right? And so when people are in that place, um, you know, sometimes they're recognizing that they're really destabilized. Sometimes people function really well for a really long time until they don't anymore. So it really just depends on the person, I think. But but do you like certain businesses are obviously thriving because of this? Most are yeah. suffering. But w- is the psychotherapy business one that would get a little bit of a, a notch up? I think so. And I hope so. I mean, I think 
this, you know, the, the piece I've been kind of like leaning into about this time is this idea of, like, okay, how do we find meaning in this? Because mm-hmm. it's, you know, we, we want to be able to hold both things, right? In one hand, we want to be able to hold, this is awful, people are sick, people will die, people are at risk, and, you know, all of the economy, all the pieces that are really, really intense and hard. And on the other hand, we want to hold, like, what, how are we going to grow from this? How are we going to learn? How are we going to reemerge in society different, right? And I think therapy is really just like taking a course on yourself. It's just figuring out, like, how do I work? Where do I struggle? What are my strengths? Who are my people? What are my patterns? And so, you know, I think that this this time is kind of like shining a big light on that. Mm-hmm. So if somebody wasn't, you know, particularly into taking therapy before, open to the idea of it, perhaps, and you know, this is for listeners who perhaps need some kind of outlet, this might be a good outlet for them to kind of help sort through those thoughts, those fears, their anxieties, things like that. Yeah, for sure. And like, who isn't anxious right now? No kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, all humans on planet Earth have anxiety. We have anxiety. It's built into us to help us survive. So like back in the day when we were walking along the savannah, we were like, oh gosh, there's a saber-toothed tiger. I better run away or fight back or hide or kind of lie on the ground to minimize the pain. And that is what's happening in all our collective nervous systems. So like if you weren't anxious right now, I'd be concerned. I'd actually be more concerned. Is there any advantage to someone? Because I have like a bullshit theory and you have to tell me how wrong I am. That Lay on s- me. Since mm-hmm. I'm such an anxious person in everyday life, that I'm actually mm-hmm. less anxious in periods where other people might be more anxious because I'm so prepared for some calamity that when one actually happens... I'm I'm almost calmed by it. I, I don't know how to describe it properly, but is this a thing or is this just something I've made up in my mind? No, I think it's definitely a thing. Okay. Because, well, it sounds like a couple of pieces to me. So one is that, you know, this is a piece of you that you maybe have gotten to know and gotten to accept, okay? That you know you're anxious and maybe it's not a full acceptance, but this is a part of you that you know. And so when it shows up in this time, it's not so threatening. But the other piece is that, you know, there are some of us who have the kind of nervous system where we can, we can sort of rev up in crisis or we can also rev down. Mm -hmm. I'm one of those people too. It's part of what enables me to do the work I do. Like I kind of can walk into a crisis and I almost like notice my heart rate slow down. And that's from also, you know, being through lots of difficult things growing up and having to learn how to get through that too, right? Mm-hmm. So there's probably a history there as well. Some yeah. of us can be really, really good in a crisis and we'll feel it after, you know? Right. So, that's interesting. Does that make sense? Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Oh, yeah. Um, so a lot of people, and again, I'm not one of these people. I'm very different from the two of you in that I am great and so happy and so positive when things are good and then when they get difficult or take a turn, then I have a harder time dealing with it than Shane does. Mm -hmm. So for people like me or somewhere in the middle of all of us, what are some ways, what are some strategies that we can kind of manage this stress, manage this anxiety? Because it's not just coming from the collective anxiety in the pandemic, but it's, you know, being brought on by working at home, having your partner working at home, having the parent, things like that. So what are some ways that we can you know, help ourselves in this situation? Yeah, of course. And, you know, I think, 
you're navigating this really gracefully and you have a lot on your plate and on your heart and in your body right now. <laughs> yeah. So just want to come in for that. So I think the first thing is actually just this piece that we call radical acceptance, which is to say, this is where we are. You know, very often when we're in difficult situations, the mind kind of naturally wants to rush in and rescue us, right? We want to rush to the future and anticipate like all the possible dangerous things that might happen. Or we might move to the past and kind of remember things that have happened in the past and how we coped or what we wish we'd done. And so if we can just slow down and be in the present moment, it's so helpful because, of course, it's futile to go to the past or the future. We can't Mm -hmm. change anything about what's going to come. And if we try to predict things, we're generally wrong. (laughs) And we certainly can't change anything in the past. The other thing about being in the present is that people think very much about anxiety being in their mind, right? They think about their thoughts as being anxious thoughts, and that's true. But anxiety is really physiological. It's Mm -hmm. actually very much in your body. It's that part of you that wants to fight or run away from that saber-toothed tiger, right? So Mm -hmm. when we slow down and we get into the present moment and we're just here and now, what the body can do is be like, oh, okay, maybe I'm really uncomfortable, but I'm safe. Maybe I feel really overwhelmed by all of like the many roles I'm playing at this at this moment, but I'm safe. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm really sad and I'm safe, right? Yeah. And that enables us to actually feel our feelings. I think a lot of people want to kind of push it off. So one of the things I've been suggesting to lots of people I work with and for myself too, is I've been trying to give myself like a worry time, like a okay. worry time every day. Like, it depends on the person, right? Like, I need a solid hour because I have lots of feelings, which I feel like you do too, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> um, but some people need, like, some people only can do 15 minutes because they find that they get really, like, overwhelmed and it's too much if they're not that comfortable being in their emotions, right? Mm-hmm. But giving yourself time every day, whether that's, like, sitting down and journaling or just lying in your bed and having a cry or, like, going for a walk and listening to music or watching news and immersing yourself in that letting yourself have that time to have those feelings so it's not like they're building up in your body and then exploding, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, For other people, I think what can be really, really, really helpful is just to radically accept that this is going to be the situation right now. Mm -hmm. And so when we notice ourselves being more reactive, when we notice ourselves feeling more anxious, it's not like, oh, no, I'm falling apart because I'm more anxious or because I'm shouting at my partner or I'm more irritated with my kid or whatever. It's like, oh, but of course, like, how else could I be? And just Mm -hmm. meeting ourselves at that place of like, all I can do is my best and have grace and I just accept that it is going to be what it is going to be and I'm going to be more triggered you know the other thing I would say is that you know again because we think about anxiety being in our heads not in our bodies what we know is that memory is very much encoded in a nervous system Mm -hmm. so what's happening for a lot of people right now myself included is we've all encountered pain we've all encountered trauma in some way in our life you know and so our bodies are remembering when we felt vulnerable in the same way that we're feeling right now Mm -hmm. so you know my dad died of cancer almost 10 years ago but all of the news coming out is making me think about that time and watching him be sick and watching him suffer and all the families that are going through that. Even something as old as like when I was five years old, I broke my arm really badly and I had to have like 20 operations and it was Mm -hmm. all very traumatic. I'm having all these like vivid 
memories and, and feelings about that time in my life because it's stored in my body and it feels the same, even it's an entirely different situation. Mm-hmm. So what can be really helpful is thinking about, okay, when were times in my, not that you have to go back and think about every painful thing that ever happened to you, because that's not yeah. <laughs> helpful, but just like, what are the kind of things that came up for me in my past that I might kind of be reliving? And how can I take care of myself now in the ways that I wish I had taken care of myself then? Right. And just to get, you know, just to really think about, again, that this is an opportunity to kind of re-nurture. And then the other thing I would say is, like, we're being asked to do things that no human can physiologically do. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not, our brains are not designed to multitask. It just doesn't work. So we just need to try to be really realistic in terms of what we can expect of ourselves and when we notice ourselves you know like and the other piece is like we're used to having a village like humans evolved as a species living in bands of 40 to 50 people Mm -hmm. you know like we're supposed we're not supposed to do this alone with one partner and most of us hopefully don't have to do it entirely alone but for the next you know number of weeks months even like that's what we're doing i'm thinking about you know families bringing new babies home in the hospital without having mm-hmm. grandparents around and not having support, you know, it's so hard and it's so vulnerable. So just to be planning and also just to be giving ourselves and our partners lots of grace. Yeah. We, we are going to be more reactive. We are going to be less creative. We are going to be moving back into old patterns that we thought we had, you know, got, you mm-hmm. know, gotten past. That's just only to be expected. Right. I find myself oddly um, to be not a people person and I don't crave Mm -hmm. a lot of uh, people around me. So I feel oddly equipped for even how some people are feeling claustrophobic. But for those people who are feeling that, especially those I find in Toronto who might be in a smaller apartment and Mm -hmm. even I guess the easy answer would be go for a walk. But even now you almost feel claustrophobic when you're outside now or scared to go outside or I'm more uncomfortable outside than even in. So what yeah. advice would you give for those people struggling? Yeah. And the news is changing all the time. Yeah. Exactly. Right? You don't you even know, know if you can breathe when you uh, or walk by somebody or if you go <laughs> yeah. for a run because you're, you're breathing more. Like, is that dangerous? You know, I'm, yeah. I'm uncertain of that after the, the briefing today, but just I for know. people inside feeling claustrophobic, is there any tips or tools to, to get you out of that feeling? Yeah, really, that you create a sense of safety in your own body. So whether that's meditation, whether that's routine and structure in your day, you know, I think when we think about ourselves right now, we have to think about our little ones, you know, what Mm -hmm. do you do for your kid when they're out of their routine? You know, just tonight, my daughter was like telling me every single name of all the children in her class Mm -hmm. at school, right? And then... And I just was like, yeah, you're really thinking about your pals and you miss your friends and, you know, just we want to just normalize and name it for them. And we want to create new structure and allow their feelings to be felt and just try to acknowledge that that's going to come up. And I think that's really what we do for ourselves. So it's not really a practical thing, but I think, you know, move your body. Get into the moment as much as you can. Create Mm -hmm. a sense of meaning as much as you can. Give yourself time to feel your feelings. And the claustrophobia is like one expression of that Mm -hmm. anxiety that we're all kind of connected to in some way, shape, or form right now. And and so, yeah, I don't know if that's a clear enough answer, but... No, no it's great. I think that's fantastic. Jesse, I want to thank you so much for being here with us today. And if if there are listeners who do want to reach out and 
uh, think that this might be a great outlet for them. Is there any way that they can reach you or your clinic? Or yes, first of all, I can I can send you after to put in the show notes if you want mm. some some online resources of things. That'd be if people fantastic. want to reach out to me, I can also give you my like therapy email that they can email me, um, and then some other uh, resources like across the country right now. But around the country, I think people are really ramping up mental health support right now because mm. we all need it for sure me included so yeah I can definitely send you some things and I welcome hearing from people too that'd be so wonderful okay Jessie. well thank you so much for this opportunity oh my gosh yeah thank you so much for coming on we really appreciate it and nice to chat with you Shane yeah likewise thank you so much you're welcome bye have for a good now night. have a good night bye yeah and do you know what I liked about her what she didn't say I'm a lot which as the editor of this podcast i really appreciate because i do try to take the ums out don't you uh feel a sense of calm listening to her yeah she has a very special uh calming voice and that even comes across and this is why i was saying like i feel so selfish having her all to myself and our other friends selves in our mom group because even when she's typing it's all with that kind of that calmness and you can you can hear it through the tone of the text how long have you known her uh well, Lucy's almost two, so a year and a half. Oh, or? that's a good new friend. I always say no new friends, but there's an, ex- <laughs> there's an exception to every rule. All right, good phone call. Yeah. Okay, so Alex forgot to do an intro for our next guest, so I'm going to walk into the kitchen as she's feeding Lucy and ask her to do a quick intro. Uh, sorry, Lou, I have to get mom to do an intro to the um, plant-based juniors. It's okay. So next up, we have a call from Whitney, who is a registered dietitian, and she is one of the two founders of Plant-Based Juniors, which is an awesome account with a ton of information and really easy to follow advice for making sure that your toddlers are getting what they need from plant-based foods. What do you think of that, Lucy? Hi, Whitney. This is Alex and Shane. Uh, is this a good time? From Hi, this Family yes. Tree Podcast. Okay. <laughs> it is. How are you guys doing? We're great. How are you? Doing well, as well as can can be during these times, I suppose. <laughs> no kidding, eh? It's, uh, it's definitely scary, definitely throwing everything for a loop, which is part of the reason uh, we wanted to call you today. So I've been a big fan yeah. of Plant-Based Juniors and your account for a while, although I am not vegetarian, vegan, anything like that. I do eat meat. However, you guys provide so much great information and recipes uh, but on your bio, it says you predominantly are plant-based. Do you eat meat or fish on occasion? Yeah, so predominantly plant-based basically means uh, that we eat mostly plants most of the time. And this looks different every day, every week. But generally, at least for me, it means that I eat vegan about 90% of the time. And then I allow for the consumption of minimal amounts of fish and dairy and eggs. Um, and like I said, that can change Um there are many days when I don't eat any, and then some days I might eat one of those items, uh, mainly because of flexibility, mm-hmm. uh, convenience. We like to travel. So that's kind of my the whole philosophy behind predominantly plant-based is that 
we are aiming to stick to a dietary pattern that is known to produce numerous health benefits, but also giving the flexibility to enjoy life and, and, and foods maybe that were a regular part of your diet without having to follow a very strict black and white eating pattern. And have you found that your eating habits have changed at all since this pandemic struck? I think I've been a little bit more liberal. I I am cooking. I, I've always, I always cook at home a lot mm-hmm. and make most of our family meals. But I think my husband and I are a little more tired these days. So oh, yeah. there are many nights when we'll order takeout after our son goes to bed that we typically wouldn't feed him mm-hmm. like right. ramen or something like that. We need some sort of something to kind of reward yourself at the end of the day, I guess. <laughs> 100% actually on that. So we're all snacking right now. Like Shane and I went out and bought a ton of chocolate bars when we figured that we were going to go into lockdown. What is the most indulgent thing <laughs> you guys are are snacking on? Hmm. Well, like I said, we're eating a lot of ramen. We've ordered pizza. Um, I would say probably some strawberry coconut ice cream that I made. Actually, right before the quarantine, I bought an ice cream maker and that has been getting a lot of use. And what, has your shopping changed at all? Like do you, in, out in LA, or do they let you go and get your own groceries? Is there delivery services? How, how are you making that work? Yeah, so groceries is, is the one big exception. I think that, that we have in LA other than people who have to leave the house for work Mm -hmm. is that they suggest that people get groceries if they need them. So uh, originally, we've been kind of doing a self-isolation quarantine for about three weeks now. The first two weeks, one of us, myself or my husband, went to the grocery store one time and took all kinds of precautions. Mm -hmm. But this past week, we decided to use Instacart instead. Uh, we were just a little bit more worried and thought it would be better to to try to stay home. But that does definitely creates a challenge. You know, there's a major backup. I actually oh, yeah. heard that. I think it's Instacart workers. A lot. Some of them are going on strike here in the U.S. Um, Do they want more pay? It, you, you don't. You don't. I. I'm not sure. I. Pro- I'm not sure exactly. I. Mm-hmm. I haven't looked into it extensively, but yeah perhaps pay benefits. I'm not sure, but they are putting their lives at risk. So yeah. I, I get, I get it. Yeah. It's harder, especially when you eat a, a specialized diet to get certain things that you need, like unsweetened fortified soy milk, uh, mm-hmm. something that that's on my list and is very specific. Um, so that's why I typically prefer to go to the grocery store myself, but you know, we're in these, uh, <sighs> challenging times. And if my biggest concern is I can't get my specific product, you know, I'm pretty lucky that that that's the biggest issue at the moment. Absolutely. We're living off of Instacart too right now, but you can't even place an order for a week, a week and a half advance. So it's pretty wild. And, you know, it's hard because when I'm at the store, I can make a decision about something if they don't have the product I want. And I know they update you on Instacart, but just some of the substitutions mm-hmm. are ridiculous. I know. Yeah, I had I had a bunch of organic produce on my list and I would have been happy with any produce if mm-hmm. it was conventional whatever, but they automatically just got nothing because <laughs> they didn't have the specific product. And I even wrote him and I when I saw that they rejected my carrots and I said, "Are there any carrots at all?" And he said, "Yeah." And I said, "Can you get those?" And then they just, just showed up with none of the things. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it's, it's challenging. <laughs> no, absolutely. So in regards to plant-based juniors, which is an account you run with somebody else, if I'm not mistaken, what is the reasoning behind keeping it like only vegetarian, vegan? Yeah, so plant-based juniors is run by myself and my partner, Alex Castero, who's also a registered dietitian and a mom. Mm -hmm. And she's vegetarian and I am, like I said, predominantly plant-based. And when we created plant-based juniors, our goal, uh, like I said kind of before, was really to get uh, more people eating more plants. So we're really all-inclusive. We're not specific to vegan and vegetarian. We really, we welcome anyone who wants to get more plants on the plate. And that's mainly because we we just want to reach a larger audience eating uh, predominantly, primarily, whatever you want to call it. Uh, diet is not only better for human health, but it's also better for the planet. Uh, mm-hmm. A study came out, uh, the Eat Lancet study last year, showing that in order to meet the climate goals from the Paris Agreement and the UN Sustainable Development Goals by 2050, that we all need to eat less meat. So it's really important that like everybody's cutting back on consumption, trying to get more plants on the plate, as opposed to having a small, um, isolated group of people eating a strict vegan diet. Yeah, big time. Uh, and, and that's part of the reason I do love following it, because I'm not very creative in the kitchen, and you guys are so helpful with recipes like plant-based recipes that I've been using for Lou since she started baby led weaning but considering where we are right now I'm glad it's been helpful oh my god big time uh but considering where we are now (laughs) in the lockdown like we're not going outside as much and we don't live in LA we live in Canada it's the weather's pretty crappy right now so we're not really getting sunlight (laughs) we're not getting as much exercise as we usually do what are some nutrients vitamins that we should be getting more of right now from plants. So it's important to mention that no micronutrients can prevent or treat disease. Um, so anyone claiming that vitamin C can prevent um, COVID-19, that's absolutely not evidence-based. But many micronutrients are essential for proper immune functioning and deficiencies in these micronutrients could re- increase your risk and severity of disease. So it's really important to stay well-nourished. So there are a couple that I'll I'll mention that are in the diet. Vitamin D, which our body generates in our skin through sunlight, is a very important um, nutrient for immune health. Mm -hmm. And many people are deficient in vitamin D regardless of their dietary pattern. So it's really important, I think, that most people supplement vitamin D. Uh, Certain populations like exclusively breastfed children should all be supplemented with vitamin D until they're getting it in their diet. But like you said, if you're not getting vitamin D from the sunlight, if your child doesn't drink milk or eat specifically fatty fish like salmon, then uh, cow's milk, then they might not be getting enough vitamin D. So that's really important to focus on. Uh, We recommend supplementation for all plant-based children. Uh, We think it's uh, it's more reliable to get your vitamin D from a supplement than it is to try to uh, rely on fortified foods because fortification can vary. So that's a really important one. Vitamin A is another important nutrient specifically for skin health and for barrier function. And that basically uh, refers to how our skin and our digestive tract work to keep pathogens out and to keep us healthy. Uh, Children that are deficient in vitamin A have been shown to have an increased risk of respiratory diseases and diarrhea. So prioritizing vitamin A rich foods in the diet, especially during this time, is really important 
Some good sources include brightly colored red and orange fruits and vegetables like carrots, pumpkin, butternut squash, sweet potatoes, mangoes, persimmons, and red bell pepper. And darkly colored leafy greens like spinach, kale, and collard greens are also really great sources. Another important nutrient is vitamin C, which a lot of people have mm-hmm. heard about in the past in regards to infection. Vitamin C is an antioxidant. And during infections, our body produces large amounts of reactive oxygen species, which are molecules that our immune system uses to kill pathogens. And since vitamin C is an antioxidant, it and other antioxidant enzymes are necessary to neutralize these oxidants that our body's producing and make sure they don't damage our own body's tissues. Right. And in addition, vitamin C can also help to stimulate the immune system during infections. One study uh, showed that while vitamin C doesn't reduce the incidence of, of respiratory infections, it can reduce the duration and the severity. Okay. Uh, so some good sources of vitamin C include bell peppers, strawberries, citrus, tomatoes, potatoes, which some people find surprising, I would not have guessed and that, also no. leafy greens. Yeah, you know, people, I feel like white potatoes get a bad rap, but they're actually a really great source of vitamin C. Well, because they're so tasty. Has like 70%. Yeah. yeah. So no, enjoy your potatoes. That's and fantastic. And they're a pantry staple. <laughs> I will, you know what, we, we are ordering bulk pantry items uh, like every couple weeks, mm. and that's one thing we've always got in the dining room. That's very smart. One more nutrient that's really important is iron. Um, And I definitely want to mention it because iron is the most common nutrient deficiency in children and adults alike of all eating patterns. Um, So uh, definitely something to prioritize right now. Iron helps to produce these molecules that kill the pathogens pathogens in our body. Um, But on the flip side, too much iron can actually result in an overproduction of free radicals and viruses can also use it to replicate. So it's important that we get enough iron, but not Mm -hmm. too much. And this is where plant-based iron really excels. So our bodies can regulate the amount of plant-based iron that we absorb, but there's no limit to the amount of iron we absorb from animal foods. Um, It's a difference between what's called non-heme and heme iron. So basically, it's impossible to get too much iron from eating plants exclusively. Uh, So some good sources of iron include beans, tofu, whole grains, nuts, and seeds. And you always want to pair these with a source of vitamin C for optimal absorption. So basically, all, all of the nutrients and foods that I just talked about, they really all go hand in hand. And you may have noticed that a lot of them are are the same. Is there any food that a lot of people might think is a healthy food but is a little overrated? I think a lot of the um, the powders and specialty items that are out there, you know, that that say things like supports immune immune health and make a lot of health claims that aren't really backed up by by the FDA. <laughs> Um, I think they're overrated. I think it's really important to try to focus on whole foods as much as possible. Mm -hmm. A lot of studies that look at uh, isolating um, certain nutrients from from plants, like certain uh, phytochemicals or or particularly uh, some of the micronutrients, we just don't always see the the same benefits that you might get from eating a whole food. And that's because nutrients really work synergistically, Mm -hmm. um, which goes back to what I just said, is that I mentioned bell peppers. You know, they're a good source of vitamin A. They're also a good source of vitamin C. Um, The vitamin C in the bell peppers can help to increase your absorption of the plant-based iron and your beans. So 
it's really about the totality of your diet and yeah, the synergy of all of all of these nutrients. Now, Winnie, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, because this has been a lot of great information, and I know you have so much more on your channels, how can they do that? Um, yeah, you can find us at plant-based juniors on Instagram, plantbasedjuniors.com, our website. We've got a lot of awesome free resources on there. We've got a supplement guide. We've got our PB3 plate, which is a visual guide to how to plan your children's plate and make it really easy to make sure they're meeting their nutrient needs. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we have two eBooks, our, our guide to starting solids, which is called First Bites, and our predominantly plant-based pregnancy guide. And you can find those on our website as well. That's the best. And you're the best for joining us today. Thank you so, so much for all that info. Definitely going to be making changes to next week's grocery list. But uh, you guys, all the best. Of stay Thank safe. you for having me. Absolutely. Take care, Whitney. Yes, you too. Bye-bye. Okay, so let's describe the caller that we're going to call right now. The call Is it callers? Yes. So on the phone, we are calling a couple from Georgia. So we're going to be calling Heidi and her wife, Kristen. They had their daughter Larkin a week ago yesterday. Yesterday, I think she was born on the Friday. And so one of them gave birth or yes. was it adopted? Okay. Yeah. And uh, they were discharged after, I, I believe it was, uh, they'll let us know, but uh, one of them gave birth. They were discharged after 24 hours. And after the birth, they were, you know, bonding with their daughter for a couple hours. But then the daughter had to go into the NICU. Mm-hmm. And because of all the COVID measures, you are not allowed anybody with you when you are, I guess, staying in the hospital in Georgia, in the NICU, or as a patient in general. I'm not really sure the rules. They'll tell us about them. However, they have not seen their newborn week-old baby since a couple hours after her birth. And they're going to talk to us about that situation. They're going to elaborate uh, on the rules in Georgia hospitals right now and about how this has been for them because I could not imagine the first week of your baby's life, you're not there. So at the moment of this phone call, like right now, they have not seen their child still? They have not seen their child since they gave birth to her. And when do they get to see Larkin again? When she's healthy enough to leave the NICU, I assume. But they're going to fill us in. Has COVID? No, uh, I believe she's just in the NICU for, you know, to take care of her after birth because she was needing something. Okay. But uh, this is all. Yeah, it's very it's insane. it's a really crazy situation. I I could not believe when she messaged me about this. It was not to come on the pod or anything. It was just talking to me about covid and what that means for people giving birth and she just wanted to share her story because she doesn't want other moms to have to go through that so she was just telling me right. so that i could you know possibly just know about it and talk about it and then i i asked her if they would be willing to come and talk about it on the podcast and they were so we're so grateful for that so all right let's to... let's get to that call right now yeah Hello, this is Heidi. Hi, Heidi. This is Alex and Shane from This Family Tree Podcast. Thank you so much for taking our call tonight. Yes, absolutely. How are you doing? We're doing well. We, uh, you know, just getting used to the new normal for us, which I know is quite a bit different than what you guys are going through. Uh, we did an, a little intro before we called you uh, saying that we were talking to you and Kristen and why we're getting you guys on the call tonight. 
Uh, so do you want to just start off by kind of taking us through your story? So Larkin was born about a week ago, correct? Yes, she was born last Friday uh, and she came a little early. She was 36 weeks, four days. Um, so we had her in the room with us and probably around two in the morning, um, they said that her sugar levels were not where they needed to be and she needed to go into the NICU. Now, was it you or your partner who gave birth to Larkin? Uh, my wife gave birth. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Yes. So, um, they took her into the NICU and we actually were able to go see her the next morning. Um, okay. and they had, you know, had an NG tube for her and were, she was doing some D stats as well. So they had her on the monitors and they were concerned about her, sh- her sugar levels, her feeding, and then her D stats. And then as we were there, they, the uh, nurse practitioner came up to us and said, going forward that they were shutting down all visitations to the NICU mm-hmm. and that when we left that visit, we would no longer be able to see her until her discharge date. And you, uh, sorry, Kristen was discharged after, like, with less than 24 hours, right? Yes, I was discharged. It was right at 24 hours um, later. I was headed out the door. Okay. And so what was your reaction? To be honest, I didn't even know that the situation was that dire in Georgia. We're very close. Like we live geographically very close to New York State. So we hear a ton about what's happening there. But I didn't know that this same kind of thing was going on in Georgia. So when you guys messaged me, it was a shock to me that these measures were being taken. So what was your first reaction when you found out that you wouldn't be able to see Larkin for an indefinite time period? I really didn't know what to think. It was a shock, mm-hmm. obviously, that I didn't know that they were that they could really do that um, mm-hmm. because I had already convinced my doctor to let me stay another night because she was in the NICU yeah. and then told me that I wouldn't be able to go back there at all. Um, of course, you know, we understood um, because the cases in Georgia, we're over 6,000 now with over 200 deaths. Wow. So I think we're actually 11th in the U.S. Um, for a number of cases. So wow. I knew that it was a very serious situation, but mm-hmm. since I had already been admitted and test, you know, like um, screened for the virus, I didn't feel like they would keep me from the NICU. But yeah. they said no, no visitors at all. Oh my goodness! And do you just uh, like do you put up a? F- fight at all like uh, you you must have had a crazy emotional reaction even if intellectually you agreed with that measure um initially i didn't put up a fight because i i did understand and there were a lot of visitors inside the nicu each um each infant was could have two you know visitors at a time so there were a lot of visitors in there and so i kind of understood um but then afterwards each day we talked to the doctor several times, asked for updates. They said that the board of the hospital, um, they were meeting every day. Mm-hmm. So we called constantly asking if they had revised their visitation policies. We asked if we could come and, and then put us in a separate room for just a little while to see her, but they, they would not budge. And so as it stands now, how many more days have to go by before you can see Larkin? So we actually got to go pick her up today. Oh my oh, god! That's amazing. So Congratulations! I'm, so I'm holding right now. 
Thank you. But she spent um, seven cool days there. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. See, that, like, having just given birth or having been the spouse of somebody, the partner of somebody uh, who has just given birth is already a very vulnerable position to be in because so much so much has happened in that amount of time that it takes like physiologically and emotionally for both of you and I just can't imagine uh like you know I'm just about six months pregnant and I could not imagine giving birth to this baby and then being told that I couldn't see her again for another week like that that first week is this your first it is, uh, yes, we have a son um, that Heidi carried. Okay. So this is my first birth. Wow. So that... I think one of the harder things, too, um, were, was we were ready to walk out the door Monday to go pick her up. Mm-hmm. And they called and said, she's, she, she's not ready to come home. So uh, when we left the hospital Saturday, we thought it was just going to be a couple of days that she would need some support. Mm-hmm. And as we were about to walk out the door to go pick her up, they said, no, she's not ready. And it could be anywhere from three to five, three to five days before before you, you she's ready for discharge. So, you know, we had that hope through the weekend. Okay, we have a few days to get mm-hmm. through this. And then Monday, it was like our world just crashed again. And I think this past week has just been a daze for us that, Oh, I couldn't imagine. Called the NICU probably every three hours yeah, <laughs> to, to get bet. updates. Yeah. And, um, w- and when they say not ready, what do they mean? What's what's exactly going on uh, within that? Yeah, so she, um, her oxygen levels were dipping. Mm-hmm. And so if they go below 80%, then they would go over and rub her back um, mm-hmm. to get her breathing again. So every time that that would happen, they would push it out 48 more hours. Right. So we were calling every every three hours just to make sure that she her oxygen was staying steady. Um, and then, of course, two different times it did that. So she she made it like almost 20 hours and then it dropped. So we had to do 48 more. Um, and then one time she made it 15 hours and it dropped So 48 more. So it just kept adding two days every time that she would her oxygen levels would go down. Right. And were they pretty accommodating? Could like when you guys were calling so much like they've obviously got to understand that and you know they're caregivers now in that position for your baby so like did you get pictures or like how does that work oh yeah they were amazing we um they actually set up a zoom um they had an ipad thank you so we could zoom with her but that was almost harder for us to see her um you know like someone else holding her and feeding her and but her nurses did um get permission to use their their cell phones and send us pictures of her and they did that very regularly. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And what's the vibe like now that you have Larkin in, in the home? Uh, one of our few podcasts ago Alex was saying when you first give birth it's almost like you're under quarantine anyway because you have to stay home. Is it a is, are you comfortable being home right now or is it kind of a weird vibe in the state of the world to be having a newborn? Um, we have actually been quarantining ourselves for three weeks, mm-hmm. <laughs> knowing that she was coming yeah. and, uh, you know, we have our, our son as well. So we are, this is kind of the new normal for us is just that we're home and, um, grandma and grandpa have to do FaceTime and 
uh, see pictures, unfortunately, but right. Um, so you've they, adapted to it, and this is kind of just the the way it is right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, in so. one of the messages that Heidi sent to me, uh, she mentioned how you know it's like this precious week of bonding time and time where you're trying to successfully breastfeed that you're kind of set behind with now. So is that something you can still try to do or that you're interested in doing or like what what happens with that when you're isolated from your child? So what we did, it was actually Heidi's idea, is before we left um, the NICU the day that they said we couldn't come back, we had them re-swaddle her and we took home the blanket she was in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've been pumping and actually looking if I would look at a picture of her while holding and sm- smelling of her blanket, mm-hmm. my milk would actually do very well. Yeah. So fortunately, I've been able to um, pump and freeze the breast milk this week. That's amazing. Then ever since she's been home around noon today, it has really came in. So I'm hoping that it's still going to, that she'll still be able to latch and um, that we will be able to, you know, still do the breastfeeding. That's incredible. But so far, we have not put her down. We are <laughs> we're doing all of our time back. <laughs> I couldn't imagine. Um, like, honestly, when, when I read Heidi's message initially, I just, I couldn't oh. stop crying just uh, picturing myself in that position. Uh, and I, it's, it's just, it's too much to fathom. And, you know, what's happened there could easily happen in the province in Canada that we live in because we are headed in that direction and that's it's just so terrifying to me um but what was what was your biggest worry or what were your biggest worries throughout the week that you were separated from her I think mine would have was definitely the the bonding time Mm -hmm. because I mean I only got just a couple of hours with her right after birth before they took her and I just I kept thinking well is she going to know me is she going to know my voice and Mm -hmm just worried about that of course and I think my biggest fear honestly was the doctors and nurses that were caring for her are going between two different hospitals so understanding that for for the safety of all the kids you know they don't want the parents in there but at the same time we don't know how safe the doctors and nurses we know that they're taking precautions but they're also being exposed and there are active COVID-19 cases in the hospital where she was staying. Mm-hmm. You know, you just, you want her out as fast as possible and to put her in this bubble so that we can all be safe. But of course, do you, would you guys have any, cause you know, this happened to you and you know, it's going to happen to other parents. You probably saw other parents who were going through the same thing. Is there anything that you could suggest to possibly help them cope with this or something to think about to help them stay, you know, some kind of positive? It was really tough. I would say if they could get um, the nurses to send pictures, that helped a lot, getting um, random pictures texted to us. Just having a good support, Um, Mm -hmm. even under quarantine, like, I'm not sure what I would have done if I didn't have Heidi with me. So just making sure that you have a good support system in place. Someone who, you know, is going to understand, but also be able to be a little bit stronger, you know, at the same time. Yeah. And I guess now that it seems like this is here to stay, I guess going into it, knowing that it's a possibility helps. Yeah. Yeah. 
because I didn't know. I mean, I when I first went into labor, when I checked into the hospital, I was just worried about her having to go to NICU at all because I wanted yeah, her in the course. room. Um, and knowing that she was, um, you know, still, she was 36 weeks, four days. I, I knew that she probably would have to go in the NICU. Mm-hmm. But I talked to the nurses and they said, we're going to try everything we can to keep her in the room with you. I said, okay. And of course that didn't work. But then when they told us I couldn't even go to see her, that was a, something I didn't even right. know was a possibility. Mm-hmm. No, this is, this is such a, an insightful and eye-opening situation, I think, uh, just to, you know, help other people understand how quickly things can change and why we need to do our parts now because this could be, you know, I have a lot of pregnant listeners for this podcast. This could be any of you. This could be somebody that you know, somebody that you're really close to. And nobody, of course, wants anybody that they love to go through something like this. Uh, so I, I do thank you both so, so much for sharing with us tonight. And I am so happy that you have her back today. I didn't know that. And that's that's such... A happy thing. I'm. I'm so. I'm. I'm at a loss for words. I'm sorry, guys. But <laughs> no, we, we appreciate it. We are absolutely in love and soaking it all in. So no. hopefully we can move past the last week and. Yeah, and, and thank you so much for finding the time to squeeze yeah, no in kidding. our little uh, podcast into your schedule. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We all right. Well, it. I guess we'll uh, leave Let you, you to enjoy. it. <laughs> <laughs> take care everyone all right have a good night thank you bye wow geez i would it's funny I, w- I had a topic that i was gonna say like our podcast isn't a real podcast till both hosts cry and you obviously <laughs> cry every week but i'm like ah, it's gonna be hard to get me to cry on this podcast because you know i try to add a little levity to this but when they said they got the baby i started crying i couldn't I believe it just struck me um like happy tears obviously but i didn't i wasn't expecting to do that no that is uh, see i am at a loss for words because for me it is i'm so happy for them that they've gone through it and then on the the same coin i'm so scared that that could be me in a few months giving birth to betty i'm so happy that they saw through it because then if i ever find myself in that situation i can just kind of recall their situation mm-hmm. and how they did see the light at the end of the tunnel they're now at home happy with their daughter and healthy and that will be helpful for me and for any other women who are pregnant or who are already going through this but yeah that's that's so wild it's so wild mm-hmm. well we are pretty amazing as a species, I find humans. We're so our, adaptable. And our ability to adapt, and I think you're good at adapting. I'd like to think I am, yeah. I think I'm good at adapting. <laughs> you are. So I was going to ask questions. That, that was if it ended on a bad note, but it seemed like it ended on a good note. So maybe I'll save my questions for the next podcast. What All do you right. think, Al? I think that's a good call. Okay, so thanks everybody for listening to This This Family Family Tree Tree Podcast, Podcast, episode 33.